Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house on a Wednesday night. It's a good crowd we got here tonight. Good to have you all out tonight. I hope you don't leave disappointed. I, I was thinking, sitting here, that a church we joined in West Virginia about six, six and a half years ago, um, the uh, fellow who taught our Wednesday night service, our pastor was involved in Awana. He was a younger guy, and he was involved in Awana. And um, uh, this guy that taught our class died. I didn't know the guy was sick. We hadn't been there that long. And so the pastor came to me and said, would you mind taking over the Wednesday night service with one of the deacons, and you guys switch off? And I remember getting up, just like I am tonight, nervous, and I said, uh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. The last guy that did this is no longer with us. <laughs> so uh, that's not the case here because uh, I was here last Wednesday. So we're in good shape tonight. But uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke, chapter 10. The book of Luke, chapter 10. There are many messages that are preached and rightfully so, and many songs that are sung in our church about worshiping the Lord. You know, as a Christian, we really have a lot of responsibilities. You know, we're supposed to study God's Word. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to spend time alone with Him. We're supposed to be an example and a testimony to those around us. We're supposed to be faithful. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to do all these things. And one of the things that I have watched in my lifetime is that, and it, and it scares me a little bit, is that I wonder sometimes if we really focus on the thing that will make all of these other things much easier, and that is our worship to the Lord. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. Do you know that praise is the only attribute of God that can increase? He's never going to know more because he knows everything. He's never going to be more powerful because he's all powerful. And he's never going to be any more places than he is now because he's everywhere. Isn't that amazing? But his praise and the worship to him can increase. And I think the more we worship him, the more we'll find other areas of our Christian life to be, you know, to be easier to handle. The Lord expects us to do all these things, but he does expect our worship. We wouldn't say that to each other, would we? Wouldn't think of that, would we? But he expects that. The only earthly example I can think of of this is when a baby's born. Uh, when, when our first child was born, uh, he, he was uh, just a regular little kid, all right? You know, the parents think they're pretty, and everybody else smiles and says, yes, it's true. And uh, uh, when our son was born, my wife would, would unwrap him, and she would count his fingers and his toes. You ladies know what I'm talking about, right? She did it several times, not just once. And I'm thinking... You already know how many fingers and toes he has. Why do you keep counting his fingers and toes? But she would do that. She'd look him over. And she would be right there with him when he needed something. 
Now, that's not worship. You can, I guess, but she didn't go to that point. But that's the only earthly example that I can think of is whatever he needed, she'd give it to him. Our son was born with, uh, they had to use the forceps, so he had sort of a a cone head. Y'all know what that is. And uh, it's the first baby that I ever really looked at. Because I was 18, 19 years old when he was born. And uh, the doctor brought him out. He hadn't even been cleaned up yet. And he had this head that poked out like this. I have a friend in Ohio that still calls him Head to this day. That's what he calls my son, Chad. He calls him Head. And when they brought him out, I said, that is the prettiest little baby I have ever seen. If they all look like that, we're going to have 10. And my mother said, David, David, stop. Stop that. She knew better. But, man, I just thought it was the greatest thing in in the world, you know, that I'd ever experienced. Well, if we can be like that. With our kids, we ought to worship the Lord much, much more. Think about what he's done for you individually. Think about what he's done for you as a couple. Think about what he's done for you with the parents that you had growing up. And the children that God gave you. And if you're really fortunate, the grandchildren that God gave you. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about this subject. And I want to use this example that's a very well-known passage of Scripture. You've all read it hundreds of times probably. But let's start in verse 38 of chapter 10 of Luke. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered her and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know, every time I read this, I, I find myself being on Martha's side. You know what I mean? You ladies know if you're, if you're working hard around the kitchen and nobody else is helping you and you're doing everything and there's an, other ladies or whatever standing there and they're just standing there talking or watching. Look, you, you know what you think. Come on, a little help here. That's what Martha thought. And Martha was working. She had good intentions. Everything she was doing was about taking care of the Lord. Making sure he was fed. She knew him. She loved him. She cared for him. She was willing to do this. But Mary was sitting at the foot of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, listening to him. You know what the Lord did? He, he sided with Mary. He said, Martha, Mary's the one that's got the right idea here. She knows what she can get from me when she sits and listens to me. And Basically, he was telling Martha, that's what you should be doing. I'm not worried about the food. I can feed 5,000 just by sending the food out. But what Mary's doing is she's worshiping me. She's listening to me. She's learning. She's trying to serve me in a greater way. So I think it's important because, like I said, I think it helps us in other areas of our Christian life. So I won't keep you long tonight, and we'll try to go through this. The first thing I want to mention tonight is... How we understand what worship really is. 
The Bible teaches us that if we want to worship God, we must worship him in what? Spirit and truth, right? Now, there's a lot of so-called churches today that aren't worshiping God in truth because they're not preaching the truth. So they couldn't qualify here. And there's also churches out there, or so-called churches, that have, there's two spirits in the world. The Holy Spirit and the devil. And this is specifically talking about the Holy Spirit. In other words, we must worship him in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit the one that empowers us and teaches us. And we must worship him in truth. In other words, it doesn't matter what I think or what you think. What matters is what God says in his book. That's the guidelines that we all must live by. And if we worship him, that's how we're supposed to worship him. In other words, he tells us how to do it. All we have to do is obey him. And then uh, uh, the Holy Spirit will, will teach us. John 4, 23, 24 says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such worship uh, to him, such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Twice here he says spirit and truth. And like I said, there's a lot of things out there that really aren't in spirit and truth. I'm thankful. You know, when when Betty and I uh, moved back, I guess when we were talking about moving back, we pretty well had our minds made up to go to uh, eastern Tennessee. We'd made a couple of survey trips down there, and we looked around. We liked the mountains, and I liked to hunt, so I was looking for a little piece of property snuggled up somewhere, you know, where I could... Uh, get myself set up for hunting and stuff. And, and then uh, we came down here, um, I guess on a Friday, and uh, we came to church here on Sunday morning. And it ruined all of the plans that we had. Uh, I mean, it ruined it because we hadn't found a church yet. When I was in my 30s, uh, I took a job one time without seeking the Lord's guidance. And um, it cost me a lot. So I promised God that uh, if he would forgive me, I'd never make that mistake again. So as it would be, there was plenty of land and it was cheap. And it looked good. But we didn't find a church. So we came here that Sunday. And uh, I recognized some of the people here. Not, every, not everybody, but some of the people. But it was uh, Celebration Sunday, I believe, was the Sunday that we were here. And I'd never heard Pastor Munch preach. What was I in for a treat? So we left here. We went up the road about 30 miles not saying a word about what had happened. And finally I turned to Betty and I said, um, so what do you think now? (laughs) She said, I think God told us where we need to be. I was hoping that's what she said because that was already in my heart. Listen, I heard preaching that morning and I heard the right kind of preaching and, and I heard what I needed to hear that morning. 
And uh, the Lord worked on her heart. And then I had Brother Frenzy. He was praying that God would bring us back here. The odds were against me to get the land and the farm and everything else. But everybody here has just been so nice to us since we've been back. And we're so comfortable here already. It's just amazing, really. We do pinch ourselves to say, are we really in Tennessee again? Because we loved it when we lived here before. But we're so thankful to be back. And people have been friendly to us. But the preaching has just been outstanding. And, uh, and I'm thankful that the Lord brought us to a church like this. I'm glad we're in a place where we feel like we can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And I'm thankful for that tonight. So the first thing we have here, as I mentioned, is understanding what real worship is. Spurgeon said it this way. There should be some preparation of the heart in coming to the worship of God. Consider who he is and in whose name we gather And surely we cannot rush together without thought. Now, this is talking about coming to church on a Sunday. He says, consider who we profess to worship, and we shall not hurry into his presence as men run to a fire. Moses, the man of God, was warned to put off his shoes from his feet when God only revealed himself in a bush. How should we prepare ourselves when we come to him who reveals himself in Christ Jesus, his dear son? There should be no stumbling into the place of worship half asleep. No roaming here as if it were no more than going to a playhouse. We cannot expect to profit much if we bring with us a swarm of idle thoughts and a heart crammed with vanity. If we are full of folly, we may shut out the truth of God from our minds. I've always felt this way, and I think Spurgeon's right. Sometimes we don't come prepared to worship God, but when we walk through those doors, Our intention ought to be, I'm here to worship the Lord today for who he is. You know, it's like when we talk about prayer, you know, if we're not careful, we spend all of our time asking things of God. And there's nothing wrong with asking things of God. But there's times when we ought to pray and say, you're amazing, God. You're so wise and I'm so foolish You're so wonderful to me and my family. You're so gracious to me. You're all powerful. I see the things you do and working in people's lives. And God is just amazing what you do. We We ought to sometimes talk to him about who he is. And not what our today's needs are or our problems are. And and worship him that way. And so Spurgeon has it right here. We need to come prepared to worship the Lord. And you'll know when you properly. uh, When you properly worship the Lord, here's how you'll know. You won't get away from it real quick. Uh, It'll follow you home. It might follow you to the work on Monday. But if if we truly worship God the way we should worship God, it'll be hard for us to get away from it. And it'll keep us out of trouble. I get myself in trouble so many times. And sometimes I don't know what I've done. It's a look that I get sometimes, and I know I'm in trouble, and I don't know what I've done. I'm supposed to know, but I don't know. Been married over 50 years, I still don't know sometimes. But if we worship God the way we ought to worship God, it ought to carry on with us. It's not just here on a Sunday, in other words. You see, it's not the song leader's responsibility to work up worship in us. 
It's not even the pastor's responsibility to cause us to worship the Lord. We ought to worship the Lord while we're singing. We ought to worship the Lord while the preacher's preaching. We ought, to, we ought to come prepared to worship. That's what we're here for, to worship him and lift up his name and to honor him for all the things that he has done for us in our lives. And Brother Logan, you know, one of the interns, I've missing them. I haven't seen any of them here the last couple of days. Are they gone or something? I, I don't know what's happened to them. They've just disappeared, haven't they? Well, Brother Logan mentioned in his last message the other week, here's what he said. And it really struck with me. He said, David prepared for Goliath many, many years before he was able to defeat Goliath. And I knew that. But the truth of the matter is that hit me like a ton of bricks. And it reminded me of our worship and how sometimes we're too haphazard. You know, we think if we cry during a song or something like that, sometimes we're really worshiping the Lord. But worship takes preparation. I pray and ask the Lord to help me worship Him in the way He wants me to. Because it's that important that we worship the Lord like we should. And so he said that about, about David, how it took him so long to prepare, how many years ago he prepared for Goliath, and that's the way we should do. I have four notes here that I think is a good idea. First, we have internal preparation of the heart by constantly evaluating our spirit and our readiness to worship the Lord. Constantly evaluating the state of our readiness of our hearts to worship. Now, you know and I know that this is not the only place that we're supposed to worship the Lord. We're supposed to worship the Lord wherever we are. Worship doesn't have a place. It's part of who we should be. In other words... You know, if you, if you go out and work all week and you don't really think about it that much and you come to church on Sunday, you're going to have a hard time really worshiping the Lord because your mind and heart is on everything you've been doing. It's hard to get away from it, isn't it? I know I've worked all my life. But we should constantly be looking at ourselves and making sure that we're in a place that we can worship God and worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, to get what He wants for us to get. And he will give it to us if we truly worship him and praise him and honor him. I've never known anybody that worshiped the Lord too much. Have you? I've never known anybody that worships him too much. If they worship him in spirit and truth. Secondly, a pre-arrival preparation to worship starting Saturday night. I've heard preachers say this before. I know y'all have been praying for today's services in our church in West Virginia. We'd have men's prayer meeting before the service, and he would say to the fellows that would come, I know you've been praying this week and last night for our service today. Let's just pray that the Lord's will be done in our, in our service. That's the idea. We ought to pray on Saturday night. Lord, give us a service tomorrow like we've never had. He's capable He's able to do that. And we have a responsibility to prepare ourselves to worship him and to pray for our services, pray for our pastor, give him the courage and the strength to get up and preach the word. And then thirdly, I have a pre-service preparation to worship. Listen, I love what happens here on Sunday morning. I, I, I just love it. I come in on Sunday morning with my mask on, and we find a place to sit, and there's music playing. Gospel music playing. 
And I like that. I like gospel music. So I like to hear that. And um, then as it gets closer to the, uh, to the service starting, I'll see the countdown up there. And I'm thinking, man, in five more minutes, it's going to be on. And I can't wait for it to, to happen. But I like all that. That's, that's a, a, I don't know who's in charge of all that here. But that's, it's a wonderful thing if you come in here for a service. You know what's going on. You know, most of the time it's five minutes after time for the church to start. And somebody will walk up to the piano or walk up to the organ. But it's, it's, it's organized. And what would make it even better would be if everybody that comes that morning service would be prepared in their heart to worship the Lord. And would have said... Show me what you want me to see today. So there's that preparation. The pre-service preparation, asking God for his help. And then last but not least, worship should continue after we leave the service. Have you ever been in a church service where the Holy Spirit was just in such charge of the service that you almost didn't want to leave the building. You were just sort of afraid to get out of here. I've been in services like that in my life before. I'm sorry to say it's not happened like that all the time. But when it's like that, well, we ought to grab hold of that and say, That's what we, this is what we want. We want this all the time. This is the way it should be all the time. And we should take it out of here with us. Sometimes we get in the car, we don't talk a whole lot. We're just sort of amazed at what God has done in the service that morning, and that's the way I think it should be. Now, what worship is not, because some people are confused about what worship is. Worship is not entertainment. You can find entertainment anywhere you want to find it. And worship is not a show. You've seen it. If you've got a television, you've seen shows before television shows uh, that are basically named church services. You've seen that. Worship is not to be watched, but to be participated in. It's not enough to see other people worship the Lord. We should all do it. Worship is not pride. James 4 tells us that God resists the proud. And worship is not an option if we want to get the best out of our Christian life. Next, we, I want to look at the place of worship. All places are places of worship. Wherever you are is a place of worship. I had a job in West Virginia, and I had a, the last few years anyway, I just had an office in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I would read my Bible in my car while I was driving. With audio tapes. I didn't hold it up on the. I've seen people with the newspaper and stuff up there. but uh, And I'd listen to gospel music uh, going down the road. And there was no one else there. There was nobody talking to me. It was just me and the Lord. And it was a special time for me. To get in the car. It was a pretty boring drive anyway. And about three and a half, four hours. And it was a perfect place to worship the Lord. As I mentioned, I like to hunt. And if you don't hunt, you don't understand this. Really, I go sit in the woods. I really don't kill a lot. I'd sit in the woods and sit up in a tree because I like sitting up in a tree. But I'll be honest with you. 
It's one of my favorite places in the world to pray, to spend time in prayer. It's, it's one of my, I sing, I sing songs in my head, not out loud. I'm smarter than that. I'd run the deer off, I know. But, but I, I sing songs in, in my mind. And there's no one else there. So you don't have to be in a church service. It's really, truly one of my favorite places. I look around at the trees. I see if there's any deer underneath them. But I look at the trees. And do you know if you ever go out in the woods, you know what you find? There's not two trees alike. Not two. Every one of them is different. And I'm reminded that God created those trees. He made them just exactly like he wanted them to be. So I, I can worship the Lord there. We can, you can, if you like to fish, you can worship the Lord while you're, you're fishing. If you like camping, you can worship the Lord while you're camping. You can worship the Lord at home. And you can worship the Lord at church. And as I said, any other place we go. Now who is it that we bestow all this worship upon? God the Father who gave to us, for us, his only begotten son. So worship God. And then, of course, also worship Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who saved us from our sins and keeps us. Whom the Spirit always points us to is Christ. They're worthy. The Father and the Son are worthy of our worship. You know, I... uh, when we uh, moved here, uh, we had talked about selling our house for three years. And um, we just had some things, little things here and there that we wanted to do, you know, to try to help get more money out of our house, which is what you do when you sell a house. You try to get more money out of it. And uh, finally, we said, it's time. And uh, we put the house on the market. Uh, I think we knew by then that we were coming here, didn't we? And we put the house on the market, and it sold in less than 24 hours. We had three full-price offers on our house in less than 24 hours. I never expected that. I didn't even think about it. And we made the realtor raise the price $10,000 over what she wanted, and she was the expert. And God just took care of that. And then I said to Betty, uh, we've got to figure out how we're going to move. I'm 68, almost 69, and she's much younger than that. Not really. And we're too old to move heavy furniture. And the Lord worked all that out for us. Didn't cost us a penny. And we moved from West Virginia to here. I've, I've, I've started a list of things that I've, I've got on my computer at home of all the things that the Lord did. I'm talking about miracle kind of things that we didn't deserve. But God took care of every little detail. We moved in our house three weeks before it closed. How many of you have ever done that? Not too often. And we didn't pay any rent for the three weeks. And we, we stored our furniture in their garage for a week before we even got here. I mean, just unheard of stuff. And we, you know what? We never thought about all that. But the person that I worship, he had it all figured out. 
He knew our love for this place. He knew we had missed this place over the years. And the Lord just took care of all of it. We really didn't break a sweat. He just took care of it all. And because of that, we, we, we all, he's done that, those kinds of things for all of us, hasn't he? We ought to worship him and not be afraid. You know, we've let the Pentecostals take the word worship away from us. But we had it first. We, we've been worshiping the Lord for a long time. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. We should worship him every day and every night. So he's our strength. He's our help in time of trouble. He's a way maker. He makes a way when we need it. Next thing is how can we worship the Lord? Here's several ways I, I wrote down just ideas for you. One is when we're doing things for others. Where is uh, Granny Sue? She's down there serving others probably. When I heard the preacher talk about her the other day, last Sunday, I thought, my goodness gracious. But you know, serving others is a way we can worship the Lord. Doing things for other people that need our help. Uh, We can serve Him through our prayers, through our prayer time, when we're worshiping Him for who He is. When we study our Bible, we can worship the Lord. If you read the Bible, you can't help but worship God. You see the things that he does and the, the, the wisdom that he, he gave to his disciples it was just amazing. Uh, when we, when we uh, I'll say this quietly because it's Wednesday night. When we tithe and give our offerings, that's worship to the Lord. The Bible says God loves a joyful giver. Maybe we've got to, <laughs> well, when we start passing the offering plate. I've never seen anybody do that, but. But we ought to be joyful when we're able to give to the Lord. That's a way, that's part of our worship. Here's an example that you're aware of. Uh, we had just gotten here. We hadn't joined a church yet because the churches were all closed. And uh, I was asking the pastor, when can we join a church? When can we join a church? Well, uh, we, were, we got here before the interns came. And uh, we got a... a an email, I believe, um, about them coming, and the church was raising money to try to get them here and support them while they were here. Deidre, I, I believe, Miss Deidre sent that to me. And the next thing I knew, I got some offering envelopes in the mail, and I said, "I'm not even a member of that church yet." They're sending me all these offering envelopes and everything else, but uh, what this church did for them, and I'm so glad we were able to have a part in it. They brought those, what we were new here, so we hadn't seen this before. Brought those five young men in here. The pastor poured himself into them and had other people help him do that. And took care of them while they were here and then gave them that big offering. And I could tell those guys were taken aback by that. Listen, that's worshiping the Lord. There might be four or five Spurgeons in that crowd. There might be a revival in this country someday, and those young men might be a part of it. That's worship. Another one is when we witness, when we tell somebody else what God has done for us. Uh, the, the most effective witness that I've ever had when I talk to somebody who's lost is to simply tell them what God did for me. 
Yeah, I can use the Romans road. A lot of times, if, depending on the situation, I can just use John 3.16. But if I tell somebody what happened to me, I feel like the person I'm talking to gets it. They understand that. And I'll tell people, I don't tell them I was six years old necessarily, but I tell them I was a lost sinner on my way to hell and I knew it. And I was afraid to die. I was afraid to go to hell. And I asked the Lord to come into my heart and save me and he did. And boy, I'm telling you, I think sometimes that's what people need to hear, what happened to us. And so when we witness, we're worshiping the Lord. When we praise him unashamedly, For his greatness, whether it's in the church, out of church, through prayer, tears, speech, or honoring him. Any way we honor him, as long as it's in spirit and truth. When we sing praises to him, we're worshiping him. Now, you've seen places that go to seed on some of these things. And they try to drum up or create worship among people. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of God honoring music that we have in our church here. And I'm thankful for that. Um, We worship him when we understand our weaknesses and ask him for strength. We worship him when our praises and adoration for him overflows. When we're full, when God has just filled us up and you can't do anything about it except just let it overflow. I'm thankful that we have a God that's worthy of worship. True worship becomes natural when we truly humble ourselves before God, knowing who we are and who he is. He desires our worship. Here's what I always think about. When we get to heaven, I assume all of you are saved here tonight. How many of you are saved tonight? Let me see your hand. Looks like everybody's got their hand up. Everybody's saved, right? So when the Lord comes back, if he comes back tonight, all of us are going up, right? We'll be resurrected. Boom, just like that, okay? Do you know what we're going to spend the next eternity doing? We'll be praising him and worshiping him. We'll be shouting, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. That's what we'll be doing. We'll be doing it throughout eternity. We won't be doing it for a a Sunday morning service or a week. We'll be doing it throughout eternity. We'll be praising him and thanking him for what he's done for us. Imagine when you get to heaven and you realize you're there. I said a while ago, sometimes we have to pinch ourselves to realize we're back in Tennessee. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be different. So I tell people this all the time. You might as well praise him a little bit now. You might as well get used to it. It shouldn't be a new thing for you when you get to heaven. And you're going to be doing it in heaven, so you might as well practice before you get there. So praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord is an important part of what we do as a child of God. And Genesis 22.5 is the first mention of worship in the Bible. You know what that story is? That's when Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You know what he was going to do, right? 
he was going to take Isaac's life and offer him as a sacrifice because that's what he was told to do. But God provided a ram. But he called that worship. He said, I'm going up to, we're going up to worship and we'll come back. And that's exactly what he did. He was a not perfect man, but he was a man who knew how to worship the Lord. I fear sometimes that we're afraid. We're afraid sometimes of what someone else might say or someone else might think about us taking worship so seriously. But I pray that I never walk through those doors on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night when I feel a sense of worship toward the Lord for what He's done for me. He saved me. He keeps me saved. I'm thankful I don't have to keep me saved. It's impossible. But He saved me. He keeps me saved. And He watches over me. He takes care of me. He solves my problems. (laughs) He cleans up my messes sometimes. He does all those things for me. He's worthy of our worship. Ask yourself this question tonight. Do I really do these things that are important as applies to worship or do I sort of expect somebody else to, you know, people sit in church all the time and they look at the preacher like, bless me if you can. I'm here. I've done my part. Let's see what you got. But that's not the way we ought to come. We ought to come just as, just as ready to worship the Lord as the pastor is. And I'm thankful that for our pastor. Thankful for him giving me the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Let's pray. Then we'll be dismissed. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Thank you for these good people who come out tonight to worship you. I'm thankful tonight to be a part of this group. And I'm thankful for you and what you've done for me in my life how you've watched over me and taken care of me. And we worship you tonight and thank you for all the things that you do for us. Help us not to ever forget how wonderful you are, how kind you are, how you care for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would, in our hearts, worship you like we never have before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you're dismissed.